We're on a journey, and uh, we've been talking about a journey for a couple weeks, and there are copies of the letter and the books that you should have received in the mail. If you did not receive them, there are extra copies. There is not a book being distributed today. The book you got last week called The Pursuit is actually a four-week devotional. Books two and three are daily devotionals, Bible studies, and as I've told you, um, these are actually designed to be used with new believers. Uh, I wanted all of us to be familiar with them so that when we have the opportunity to disciple a new believer, uh, we are already ready and, and we're, it's like preparing the nursery, okay? Some of you are like, hey, Lord, man, we want to see revival. We want to see people saved. Well, prepare the nursery, and uh, I believe it's going to happen. And so, like, you don't have to use these tools. If you've got something else set up and you know how you would disciple a new believer, uh, come tell me about it. I'd love to hear about it. But this is just one way that we can use to help disciple someone that's coming to faith in Christ. I don't even know if they have to be a believer yet. I think you could work, walk someone through these books together. Hey, let's go through these books together. We'll meet once a week for coffee, and we'll talk about what you're reading and what you're learning and what you find. And uh, you could actually lead someone to salvation using those books as well. Um, and so books two, three, and four are really the ones that we use with new believers. Um, but all of those are out there for you. And uh, the next one is going to come out on Resurrection Sunday. Um, and that's the one that's not really dated. It's not really a devotion book. It's really just 14 different uh, sermon topics. And some weeks we might spend one or two, three weeks on each topic. So there's not really um, a schedule that goes along with that book. But you're going to notice that we're going to keep talking about the same things. It's just going to be like a cycle. We're going to keep talking about the same things over and over and over again, um, because we want to be grounded in those things. And it's a foundational series that I think is going to make a difference for our church. And so as we've talked over the last couple of weeks about this journey, um, I mentioned the first week that a lot of times we talk about God being the destination. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. In fact, everything I'm going to say today probably points to God as the destination. But I believe God is the journey. Like, I believe the destination to this journey that we're on called the Christian life or Christian faith um, isn't necessarily a physical place as much as it is a way of life. Like, we describe it as a church, strive for full restoration, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. That's what we're talking about, striving for full restoration, for wholeness, for completeness, for maturity. Like, it's the same word translated different ways in different verses and passages through the, the, the New Testament, and that's our vision as a church. Um, we are striving to live in a place where we're just, we're after that wholeness that Jesus died to give us. We're turning the whole word world purple, if you will. And so I have a picture of that. Um, if you remember, we talked about like the, the, the world being purple um, because like in the Bible Project video, blue and red, okay, together make purple. And everywhere we go, the kingdom is. And we want to be carriers of the kingdom. We want to make disciples of all people. And sometimes that looks like a, a supernatural event. Sometimes that looks like a healing. 
Sometimes that looks like a, a word of wisdom or a word of prophecy or a prophetic word, a word of wisdom, knowledge, I mean. So you might be sitting at work one day and you might have a thought about someone in the cubicle next to you that you know comes from the Holy Spirit, not from you. And you just go over to them and say, I don't know what this means to you, but does this mean anything to you? And the, it may, they may be like, nope, that doesn't mean anything to me. All right, go back to your cubicle and pray into it a little bit. But it might but just be in that moment, they'd be like, why are you saying that to me? I don't know. I was just sitting in my cubicle and I feel like the Holy Spirit put that in my heart and told me I needed to share it with you. And it, in that moment, like you could turn the world purple right there in your office, okay? Now, don't do it on the clock. Do it at break time. Like, be respectful of your employee. Unless you work for a Christian organization, then you can do it on the clock because they would let you. Um, but it's not just about that. Sometimes it's about giving someone a cup of cold water. Sometimes it's about meeting a physical need and just being a tangible sense of the presence and love of God to someone. Okay, so it's, it's supernatural and it's practical. And too often, we get bogged down in one or the other. Well, I'm more of a practical person or I'm more of the supernatural person. You have the Spirit of God in you to make you supernaturally practical. And it's not about one or the other. It's about both. And it's about turning the world purple. And I'm going to keep saying it until we turn the world purple. So I believe as a church, there's a significant call for us. Um, and I'm going to share more about that last, or tonight as we just kind of recap the last couple of years and we talk about the table logo, why in the world we have a church in the downtown area, and uh, all of the, some of these things that have happened over the last few years and what's that look like. And at the end of the day, here's why. Because I believe there's so much more to our walk with Jesus than we are currently experiencing. I believe there is more to our walk with Jesus than we are currently experiencing. And I want to strive for it. I'm not just going to wait for the heavens to open and come down. I am going to make room for heaven to invade my life. Um, that's what I think we have to do. In fact, if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 6 and 7, it's a, it talks about these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. I want to be those people. I want people in Huron to say, you know those crazy people that are turning the world upside down? that are saying there's another president. <laughs> there's another king. Like, that's what we've been called to do. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three things that come out of the pursuit book that we're going through. We're going to talk about how to take our place before God. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about intimacy with God, how to love God, how to take our place before him. And we're going to take our place next week within his body. And then we're going to take our place in his world in week three. So we're going to walk through each of these in, in these weeks. But today, we're going to talk about loving God first. Loving God first. That's what we're going to talk about because I believe this is essential for us in, in knowing our identity in Christ and knowing who we are in knowing what we're called to do. All of it starts with loving God. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to open to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, we're going to, in today's service, we're going to read a big chunk of this. And then tonight at the meeting, I'm going to read a chunk of this. And next week, I'm going to read a chunk of this. And I'm not going to say that um, I, have a, I, I sometimes have this pet peeve where 
pastors will read a passage of scripture and it has nothing to do with what they're talking about. Um, they just use it as like a launch pad into something else. Um, so the whole message of loving God isn't in, in Ephesians. But what I think Ephesians does is it reminds us that there's more to the life with Jesus than you and I are currently experiencing. That's what I think the whole book of Ephesians is a reminder of, that there's more than what we know. There, there's stuff that we have to remind ourselves. And so I want to read a chunk starting in chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the NLT. It's not going to be on the screen. So if you have a, a, a version Bible app or you have a Bible on your phone and you got the NLT, then you can read along with me. If you have a different version, uh, you can still kind of read along with me, but it'll be a little different. But I want to talk about taking our place before God. And I want to use Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 to kind of maybe create a hunger in our hearts for what that intimacy with God produces, if you will. So here we go. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. <laughs> he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. All wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God. We have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, that's not us, that's the Jews. We Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now, this is us, you Gentiles, who have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I've heard of your faith, your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Even though you've got it all, he's actually praying that you grow in it. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. 
I also pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world or in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. He's already done this. If you've put faith in Christ, you might be sitting in this room, but you're not in this room because you are seated with him in heavenly realms because you're united with him. Oh, that's way more exciting than you got. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. And he's shown, and he has shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And we're going to pick up there. Tonight we're going to read some more. Next week we're going to read some more. But this idea that we are united with Christ Jesus. We are in heavenly places. God has a plan for us. He has something that he wants us to walk out. It starts with understanding that we are united with Christ Jesus. This is about our intimacy with God. In the book this week, they brought out John chapter 14, verse 15. Very familiar verse. John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Most of the time we read that verse and we think, I prove my love for him by obeying him. I don't know that I disagree with that, but the elder brother in the story of the two sons tried to prove his love for the father by, doing, by being obedient to the father, but he did not have an intimate relationship with the father. What I think Jesus is saying in John chapter 14, verse 15 is not, you know, you're going to prove how much you love me because you obey me. He's like, if you get the love me part right, you're going to obey me. I think there are far too many people going to church trying to obey him, but we haven't got the love thing right. We don't have an intimate relationship with the Father day after day that produces the fruit of eternal life. Because fruit is not produced by your own willpower. It is not by your own works that you are saved. It is by the grace of God. And if you are not tapped into communion with the Father, you are not going to be able to walk in obedience to the Father. Now, that's not an excuse to sin and say, well, you know, I, he'll clean me up someday. But we have to get this love thing right. 
you maybe have grown up hearing that the, the word love here that Jesus is using is the word agape. And agape is this self-sacrificing, willing-to-lay-your-life-down kind of love. And it's not an emotional love. But can I tell you, agape love has some emotion to it. It's, it's not void of emotion. It's just not dependent upon emotion. I forgot, put my glasses back on, I can't see your faces. Uh, I can't read when I have my glasses on, so I, it's back and forth. And so the, the idea that when we, when we love God with this self-sacrificing love, it's not a question of whether or not I'm feeling something. But feelings can be a part of this. There, there are so many denominations that are so afraid of passion, fire, feelings. Can I tell you that the love of God has all of those things? Jesus wept. Jesus was angry. Jesus was passionate. Zeal for your house has consumed me. The agape love of God has passion with it. And if your love for God is cold, if it's just ritual, if it's, you, you, oh man, we gotta get this right. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted, he says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We have got to, you, we cannot sustain a work for God without intimacy with God. There are a lot of people that are very busy in the church or very busy in ministry or very busy in doing things before the Lord and they're very knowledgeable about the scriptures and they're telling everybody about it. They're going to put it all over Facebook. They're going to, in every conversation, here's what I know, here's what I know, here's what I know. But it's, so, it's void of intimacy. Now, I'm not saying it's always void of intimacy, but there, there's intimacy. How do you know if it's void of interest, intimacy? The, well, the fruit of frustration, the fruit of burnout, the fruit of anger, the fruit of resentment? What fruit is being produced? Because if, if what you're sharing and what you're ministering is coming from a place of intimacy with him, the fruit will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. That will be the fruit. And so if, if that's not the fruit, maybe come back to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I gotta get this love thing right. I don't think I have this right. And see, the danger is that we, uh, Pastor, I've been serving Jesus for 50 years. I have the love thing right. I've been serving Jesus for like 40-some years, but I don't even have the love thing right yet. So you and I need to meet so I can learn your secret. This message, I think, today is for everybody. We've got to get the love thing right if we're going to be effective and productive in anything else that comes next. Mark chapter 3, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That they might be what? With him. He didn't appoint 12 to send them out to preach. He appointed 12 to be with him and he might send them out to preach. In Acts chapter 4, we read this today. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. The chief priests, the leaders were like, how did they, they're astonished at what's taking place in this, these two ordinary men. They didn't study all the way through Jewish learning. They, they, they didn't sit under rabbis. Like, how did they get here? And then they took note. They had been with Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called 
children of God. The place of intimacy with God is where you hear you're a child. You're a child. There are a lot of people that are busy in church. They're trying, to, they're trying, they're trying so hard to do the right thing for God because all they want to hear is your mind. And the thing is, he's already saying it. And anything you do for him has to flow out of that. If it doesn't flow out of that, it will always produce burnout, frustration, anger, resentment, bitterness. It, every time. Every time. If you're serving in the church and you're more concerned about who isn't serving and who isn't pulling their weight, you're serving not out of a place of intimacy. You're serving out of a place to be intimate. And that will never work. It will never produce intimacy. Obedience never produces intimacy. Intimacy produces obedience. Yeah, it's... I'm trying to make it make sense as much as I can, but I believe we need to be awakened to who God is. I believe as a, as a culture, as a church culture, Christian culture, we have become underwhelmed by the fact that we serve the God of the universe. So how do we, make, how do we take our place before him? I'm going to give you two things, two things that we can do to take our place for him, to develop intimacy with him. Here's number one. Make room for him. Make room for him. Create a space in your life for God to fill. There are far too many of us that our lives are so full and we're like, God, I love you. Squeeze yourself in here. And he's like, you create a space and I will fill it. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. And creating a space is going to look different for all of us. But creating a space is what spiritual disciplines are all about. There's a movement right now to talk, that talks about, well, anything that has to do with spiritual disciplines is about works-based, and you, you, that's not Jesus. Yeah. That's because we have been taught to make the spiritual discipline the destination rather than the vehicle to the destination. Like the spiritual discipline in and of itself is not the, the destination. Reading the Bible is not the destination. Encountering the God of the Bible is the destination. So if I'm reading it and I'm checking off the box, yep, read my Bible today, but I have not encountered the God of the Bible, then I have not checked off the box. That's the box I need to check off. And so the discipline of reading the Bible is great, but it, the Bible is supposed to bring me into an encounter with God. The discipline of prayer is great, but, the, that, but, but communion with the Father is supposed to bring me to a place of encounter. Forcing myself to go to church or prayer services is great, but it's not about just showing up and checking off the box. It's about encountering God in the place. And there, the, the spiritual disciplines are, are, there's so many of them. We've talked about it. We've read a book about it. How many of you read the book by, by John Orton, Ortberg about spiritual disciplines, the life you've always wanted? And we spent months talking about the different spiritual disciplines, fasting and prayer and solitude and Sabbath and slowing and celebration. And there, there, there's so many of them. And it's all about what, what space needs to be created in my life right now for God to fill. But it doesn't come without discipline. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
Oh, Pastor Tom, I'm not a morning person. Well, okay then. Then do it at night when it's very dark. But, but you have got, there's no shortcut here. One of my favorite stories of all time is Pastor Jeff Mann tells it in his book, Relentless Pursuit, Relentless Passion, Relentless Something. Um, but it's a really good book. <laughs> I just can't remember the title. But he tells a story about his encounter with David Wilkerson. If you know David Wilkerson, uh, famous preacher, started Teen Challenge, uh, famous for just being a man of God. And he got a chance to see David Wilkerson and ask him a question. And he said, I want to be a man of God. How do I become a man of God? And I love David Wilkerson's response. He says, here's what you do. You want to be a man of God? Pray every single day and never miss a day. Read the Bible every single day and never miss a day. And you'll be a man of God. <laughs> I just love it. It's not about, and here's the thing. It's not about a legalism of I do it every day. But here's the, the root of it is there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. I mean, there, there are a lot of Christians running around today saying, I don't know where God is. Where's God? Where's God? God is where he's always been. He's seated on his throne. And he may be not showing up in your life because you haven't created a space for him to fill. And the moment you do, the moment you fill a or create a space for him, he will come and he will fill it. He will fill it. But as long as we want to just, hey, God, just squeeze yourself in here. There's no shortcuts how do you get better at prayer? Well, Pastor, I read, I read this book about prayer. I, I, I listened to these 15 podcasts about prayer. I, 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 uh, I went to this seminar about prayer. No, you know how you get better at prayer? You pray. And you pray. And you pray with other people who pray. And you pray out loud. That's how you get better. You don't get better magically so you can do it. You get better by doing it. And Jesus got up every single morning. And did he ever miss a morning? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he got up one morning and said, I'm not feeling good. Maybe he got up one morning and was just tired. The Bible is not trying to tell us that if you miss a day, you're not going to make it. The Bible is saying there's no shortcuts. If you want intimacy with God, you have to do it every single day. You have to keep coming back to it over and over and over again. And for everyone, it's going to be a different discipline. For some of you, it might be prayer. For some of you, it might be fasting. For some of you, it might be submission. For some, it might be slowing and silence and solitude and Sabbath. It, and for some, it might not even be adding an activity. Maybe you're already reading your Bible, but before you open it, maybe you just need to pause and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to make this word come alive today. I can't just read it and check off a box and move on with my day. I need to eat something that's going to nourish me today, that's going to fill me with you today, so that everywhere I go, I carry your presence. And maybe I only read one verse, and I just keep reading it until it resonates in my heart. So maybe it's not adding something. Maybe it's just making sure that you're expecting something. For some of you, you show up every week to church, but maybe it's not just about showing up. It's about being engaged in a different way. I heard a testimony last week. If you remember, Bob and Barb Van Wick were with us last week. And if you know Barb, she's a little exuberant when she worships. But I'm going to tell you, there was an atmosphere in the room when Barb started to worship louder than anyone else in the room. You could hear her. But then all of a sudden, I started hearing other people. And the, someone told me on Monday night, they said, you know, when she started worshiping, man, it lit something in me and I started worshiping. That's what it's about. It's about coming in a room, not to check off a box. I was in church today. Check. It's about encountering God and sometimes being the encounter that someone else needs. Oh, when we get this, it's going to explode. I promise you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Live your life in such a way as if there's only one prize being given out and you've got to go after it. Now here's the thing. There's enough for everybody. But you can't, you can't, we can't go after it half-heartedly. We can't go after it half-heartedly. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. That's called spiritual discipline. So that after I've preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. You might have a lot of biblical knowledge that you're sharing with everybody who will listen, but sometimes that's just a cover-up for insecurity. I mean, we live in a world where we post everything on Facebook and we just, I, I need people to like it. I need people to like what I have to say. Rather than being engaged in a conversation with someone and hearing what the Holy Spirit wants to pinpoint in that person's life or how you can minister to them, we're all busy talking about, hey, well, I read this thing and I read this thing and I know this thing and I know, and it's just, ugh. Intimacy with the Father that flows out. And the thing is, is you can't tell by looking. Because, yeah, you, we should share what we know. We should share the gospel with others. We should minister to people. We should be involved in ministry in the body. All of these activities, we can't see the connection. But you and the Spirit can. You and the Spirit can. And so make room in your life this week. Make room. Make room. Number two. Number two, this one will be faster. Live a life of remembrance. Live a life of remembrance. When I tell you to take communion every day this week, I, oh, we have a tendency to forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. Throughout the Old Testament, we see over and over the people of God forgot what God had done, and as a result, they grumbled and complained. If you find yourself grumbling and complaining, you forgot who you're, who you're serving. You forgot Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, that he, he works everything out according to his plan. You forgot. You need to remind yourself. You need to remember. If you, if you lack the faith to act, if you live in rebellion against God, you fail to remember who he is. In Psalm chapter 16, the psalmist writes, I keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will rest secure. When you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're afraid, get your eyes on the Lord. Make a journal. Remember the faithfulness of God. Recite it to yourself over and over. Self, I'm going to believe in the Lord. In Lamentations chapter 3, the, Jeremiah, the, the book of Lamentations is all about the prophecy that Jeremiah prophesied that God was going to destroy the, the city of Jerusalem and he was going to take everyone into captivity. And when it happened, Jeremiah wept. I mean, his prophecy came true and all the other prophets were prophesying lies. You would think he'd be glad. You'd be think he'd be like, ha ha, I told you. But he wept over the city. And in Lamentations chapter 3, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I, rem I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Ever have days like that? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for 
him. We remember, we remember in Psalm chapter 42, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you. I don't know about you when you woke up this morning, if you were like, oh man, I'm so thirsty, I can't wait to get to be with other believers and to lift up the name of Jesus together and to begin to pray together and to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And if, if you didn't wake up with that and you didn't get in the shower and say, Holy Spirit, I feel dry today, but I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for something more. Maybe it's time to remember who we serve. Maybe it's time to remember why we show up here every week. Maybe it's time to remember that the Spirit of God lives in us, not just to give us goosebumps and not just to, 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 to give us a, a good feeling once in a while, but to turn the world purple. That's why he lives inside of us. My soul thirsts for the living God. When can I go meet with God? When can I pick up the word? When can I, can I steal away and be... Oh, when can I shut off March Madness and get into the book? Nothing wrong with March Madness. I watched a lot of it. My tears have been my food day and night, and people say all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as, remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise and among the thrusts of song. Why are you so downcast on my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I'm not talking about remembering the good old days. It's not about the activity. I couldn't help but maybe chuckle a little when we sang Because He Lives Today because it just reminded me of a different time. And there's nothing wrong with singing songs from a different time. But God is writing songs right now that talk about who he is right now. And we don't have to sing those songs to have God move. Sometimes it moves you. It's not about what type of activity we need to get back to. It's about the God of encounter that we need to get back to. I want to be one that burns for him in the middle of this city so that everyone else watches. But here's the thing. No one else can take your place. No one else can take your place of intimacy. Your mom and dad can't take your place. No pastor, no church can take your place. Nobody else can take your place of intimacy before the Lord. You are the one that has to take it. And a lot of times, a lot of times we say, well, pastor, I'm not really a prayer person, so I let someone else do the praying. I'm not really a worship person, so I'm going to let someone else do the worship. Every time you don't take your place before the Lord, something is missing. Something is missing. Now, here's the thing. God could show up. God can do work. God can move. God, but in order for God to do everything he wants to do, every single one of us has to take our place of intimacy before him. And I believe sometimes our breakthrough is tied to the activity that we won't do. Sometimes the very thing you're crying out for, God, do this thing, do this thing in my family, do this thing in my life. And he's like, the moment you make room here, I'll fill it. And it's the one thing we're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't really do that. I don't really lift my hands in worship. I really don't, I don't really get that exuberant. I'm not really that type of person. I don't really attend prayer meetings. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really, I, I don't really study the word like that. I'm not a book person. I can't read that book. I can't do that thing. I can't, I can't, I can't. And this book says, I have the power of the Spirit of God and grace to do anything. And I'm not saying do what everybody tells you to do, but you listen. And the Holy Spirit will tell you where you need to begin, where you need to make room, where you need to remember, because he wants to invade your life. 
He wants to invade your family. He wants not only you to be saved, he wants every child, every grandchild, every parent, every aunt, every uncle, every niece, every nephew. He wants salvation for your household. He doesn't want to just heal you. He wants to heal every person that you encounter. He wants to overflow in your life in ways you can't even imagine. He does immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine. So today is not about you being guilty and feeling guilty. And if I made it sound that way, forgive me. It's not about that. It's about listening for him and saying, I'm going to make room for you, Spirit. I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to remember. And I am gonna, I'm going to let you have your way. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Christy to come back to the piano. And she's going to sing a song. And I want us to make room right now. Five minutes. Five minutes I want us to make room. That's all. Five minutes. Room. Room for him. Start now. Start now. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Just get in with him. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where do I need to make room? Here's the thing. The, the place of intimacy is the place of identity. When Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And the Father said, this is my son who, with whom I'm pleased. He didn't even do anything yet. He didn't start his ministry. He didn't preach to anybody. Uh, Maybe he did the water into wine thing. That might have come before his baptism. But that's it. Nothing else. Nothing else recorded. And the father says, this is my son and with him I'm well pleased. It's the place of intimacy. And the moment that Jesus left that spot and he went out into the wilderness, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, prove it. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said that line, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm here to tell you that his mouth said, I am his son and he is well pleased. I don't need to turn those stones into bread. I don't need to do that ministry. I don't need to share that word. I don't need need any external thing to give me identity or purpose or value. (laughs) I have got it from him. And it's not a one-time, one-and-done thing because Jesus got up every single day early in the morning and he went out with the Father. Because if he didn't, then he would give in to the pressures of people. He would give in to the pressures of his own flesh. And every day he needed to hear the Father say again, you're my son and I'm pleased. See, here's the thing. I know you're here today because you want what I want. You want God to work in your life and in your family or you wouldn't have wasted your time to come here today. So I believe you want it. I want it. But here's what I've come to know. I don't make enough room. Yep, I don't make enough room. I mean, I say I want it. And I say, Holy Spirit, I want you to come. Do whatever you want to do. And a lot of times my prayers are more Lord, here, bless this thing that I want. And they need to be, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Do whatever you want to do. Make room. Make room. Some of you just need to remember. You just need to remember who you are. Remember who he is. And so as she sings this song for us, I just want you to wait. I want you to listen. I want you to write down what he puts in your heart. How can I make room? How can I remember? 
and let him speak. This is my surrender 
make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to yes do whatever you want to and I will make room for you To do whatever you want to, yes I will, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, I will, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. If you're here today and you're maybe you're overwhelmed you're burdened and so hearing this idea that you have to make room um, only adds to your frustration and stress can I tell you something in a, in a season of life maybe where you're carrying a load you're caring for someone um, you're you've got small kids at home this is gonna look different for you than it's gonna look for other people and sometimes making room isn't adding activity Sometimes it's just making sure that in the middle of the day, um, you just put some worship music on in the background. You say, Holy Spirit, my house is crazy right now, so I, wanna, I want you to invade this space. I mean, it, I, I just don't want you to walk away today feeling like, oh man, there's something I have to do. Sometimes it's the shift of perspective. And it's already what you're doing, but maybe you're doing it for the wrong reason. And just let him sh do that little shift, that little shift. It's not always a big change, but for some, for some of us, it may be just remembering something God has spoken in the past that we've gotten lazy on, that we've walked away from, and it, it might be restarting something. So for each of us, it's going to be different. And so Holy Spirit, I ask for clarity today for each and every one of us. Show us what it means to make room in our lives for you. Show us what discipline maybe needs to be added to our lives or show us what mindset needs to be shifted. Break up the hard, the hard parts of our hearts so that we can receive the word that your father is sowing. Help us to, to put down roots. Help us to cut away the, the busyness, the, the cares, the anxieties of life that are choking out the fruitfulness of your word. Help us to receive your word today into good soil that's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce a harvest. So Holy, show, Holy Spirit, show us how. Show us how to do that. Show us how to make room. Show us how to live a life of remembrance. I pray, speak with clarity to each one that's here today in a way that only you can. God, transform our lives in the way that only you can. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want us to be able to, to spend a little bit more time in prayer, we're going to allow you to do that. In just a moment, we'll put on some music. This can be a place of prayer. Our prayer team will be available if you want someone to pray with you before you leave. Um, if you need to be dismissed, we want you to feel free to do that. Um, don't forget to stop by the table out in the back. Uh, lots of information out there available for you. Offering baskets are out there as well if you want to participate in the offering. And uh, 
just don't forget tonight, business meeting at the downtown location, five o'clock for worship, six o'clock for the meeting. And I uh, hope to see you there. God bless you as you go.